Hello, um, this is Who Watches the Watch. Um, we come to you this week in the midst of many historical time events happening. Basically, we have decided to do a soft reboot of this podcast because ACAB, we don't really want to talk about fun fantasy cops when obviously the entire police system is broken and cops shouldn't really exist anyway. We don't want to diminish the actual uh, harm and violence perpetrated by the police by talking about like morally good police on our podcast. So instead we are doing Colour of Magic and we're going back and doing other books in the Discworld series at the moment. I guess we will get to Manor Times at some point but we'll probably be more equipped to talk about it. Yeah, we'll have more time to think we'll about see. it and it will feel less like uncomfortable to talk about. I mean, maybe not, but we'll have done more research probably and we'll have like, if we have to, we can do like a lot of theory talk and as, part of, as like part of that. Um, There's just also a lot of things happening right now. Like that's also the thing that we just don't know how it's going to shake out. So The world is interesting. Truly is a good it, year. It is interesting yeah. times. Interesting. Which we're also going to talk about, I guess. Yeah, there's like some stuff in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 definitely one of the Discworld books. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, I remember liking it at that point, like when I read it, but I don't remember anything about it, so... I think it's we'll see. mainly okay, because it's like fantasy China, but I think it's different enough where it's like not massively racist i can't remember (laughs) i might be that might not be true i might be cancelling myself right now um Mm, i think we'll have to just wait and see when he does do like narrative like sort of stereotypical fantasy narratives on uh, sort of based on other cultures it's not really talking about the actual place it's it's kind of on on the the sort of tropes themselves but whether that's done well or not I haven't read it recently enough to comment. Yeah, I mean, he's also like a white, older English person. Yeah. So, so you know. Exactly. So as, as much as I love him um, and his stuff, he is gonna he's going to have his issues that I will have to deal with. And that's just part of being an adult and liking things, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we also like prolonged the... Um, lifespan of this podcast by several years now yeah a very long time (laughs) i seem to spend my time getting embroiled in these podcasts that like last for a hundred years and will never finish Uh um why can't i just have i don't know a mandalorian podcast that like runs for eight episodes and then it's finished i mean we need to like document um the ways in which our lives change, I guess, over several years. So we can look back in 2025. After the revelation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the the revolution will be podcasted. God damn it, Charlotte. I suppose. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's just the world we live in now. Like, everything is, everything is podcasts. Yeah, most much of much of like current history will be like probably reported on and talked about through the form of independent podcasting. I guess future historians will have to listen to dumb shit podcasts in order to get like first hand accounts of things, which is very exciting in some ways. It's like it's like the opposite of the Black Mirror attitude on like phones and shit. Like we're we're living in like the most documented period and it's probably just gonna get more yeah uh, but i think i think it's not necessarily a bad thing that there's gonna be like documentation of all the events documented but also ephemeral in a, in a way that things weren't previously yeah hmm. as archaeologists we have to like note that the longevity of digital objects is extremely short compared to literally everything else um, it's the most temporary form of collected information. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, like, from a media studies perspective, that's also... Yeah. 
it's it's contested, but it's it's the way I stand on it. I think. Anyway, this this was supposed to be just a short programming note at the start. Well, you know, that's never gonna happen. Um, so also, um, Lucy isn't with us today because she has a very bad ear infection and she dead. can't hear without having yeah. physical pain. I think we need to do that Stalin meme again, but it's Lucy this time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, George's microphone apparently. Oh, yeah, George's uh, microphone. My my microphone has been. Uh, had its soul eaten by an Eldritchara. Yeah, I guess we could call this a struggle sesh, but, you know. I want to be the first person in the game to say f- I've never really got rinse when totally. He spells really W-I-double-Z-A-R-D. He's the character who started off the Discworld series. Most important wizard out of anyone I can see. He's a useful character to have around, but he's not one that I personally rate very highly. Rincewind is a top geezer. What can I tell you about Rincewind? our first episode of who watches the watch on color of magic we read the first two chapters aka the first half of the book how did we find it it's a lot i uh i it was a lot better than i remember i remember it was the first one i ever read um Mm. and i i probably was too young to read it probably as most of the books i read when i was young and probably most of the books i read them too young because i don't read much anymore like a like a normie or whatever. My brain is falling out. I'm sorry. That's all right. No, but it makes sense. Mm, like, yeah. I think that's how that's how we all are. And I, I suppose we're gonna... Like, I, this wasn't the... This wasn't my introduction to Discord. So when I read it, it was like, mm, you know, mm. I didn't feel like it was as good as the ones that I read before it. Uh, I remember, like, the first time I read I remember it was a struggle to get through it. I think now that I have a different perspective on this series it's much more you know how uh every time i recommend uh, jojo's bizarre adventure to my friends Mm -hmm. i'm gonna start specifying to well but part one is gonna be very different from the rest of the series so (laughs) you know even if it's not necessarily your your thing keep watching yeah Uh, because that's how i felt when i first watched it like i i didn't didn't really get me in part one but when i go back to it now or rewatch it i think it's still really good it just doesn't feel like jojo at all yeah it's like being recontextualized by what comes afterwards it's different but at the same time you sort of appreciate it more i think yeah and Um, this is how i feel about this like i'm i'm like really noticing parts where it's like "Mm, that's not quite the, the or that feels off you know yeah yeah um it's def- definitely like character-wise and certain facts about the world are different or are slightly different approach to it than he would later use. Yes. Because it is more, it's more like a collection of small stories about these characters going on adventures rather than a particular plot about something. Yeah, that's the other thing that annoyed me as a young reader, that it was, I, I, I guess I expected one story. I didn't get that. And yeah. I don't know why that annoyed me at that time. Because now that I'm rereading it, I'm perfectly fine with it. I don't mind having four short stories instead of one uh, long book. I think maybe it's got less appeal to children or younger readers than yeah. other ones would. You don't really understand what it's pastiching. You don't really recognize what it's trying to do. Yeah. You're just like, who are these kind of mean characters who aren't particularly fun and aren't really having adventures that i can understand as a child yeah and it's like it's a different like it doesn't hook you in a way like the later discord books uh hook you from the story so maybe that's what uh annoyed me about in the first place that i didn't have like the drive that i need to read the whole thing immediately but if you're if you like settle in with the pace i think it's perfectly enjoyable 
Yeah, I'm similar in that it was one of the first... I think it was the first one I tried to read. Hmm. I read Reaper Man and then I tried to read this and then I couldn't read it. And then I sort of didn't read any other ones for a while. And again, it was just the way it was written and the way the story was set out, I found really... Yeah, I didn't find it very gripping. Um, But I definitely do think going back and rereading it, there's a lot of really interesting things that he's trying to do in it. And it does remind me a bit more of his previous fiction. It reminds me, I read Dark Side of the Sun, and I think I read Strata, and I can't actually remember the plot of either ones, but they're both very, like, similar to this, but in a sci-fi way rather than fantasy. Hmm. Yeah, I never read those because... Because I read Color of Magic, and I thought, I'm... I don't really think I want to read earlier books by him. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of weird. But... Yeah, you know, as we were saying, I'm sorry, I stayed up all night watching live streams of police brutality and my, my brain is, is uh, hurting. Okay, I, it's fine. I did say my uh, brain was falling out before we recorded. Yeah. We can cut this. Should we okay. start just like recapping the plot? Uh, like, I don't think we need to talk about the plot that much. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the first part is just called The Color of Magic, I think, is it? Yes. Yeah, the first part's called The Color of Magic, um, and it's about our hero, Rincewind, who lives in Ankh-Morpork, and he's a bad wizard. He failed out of university, which I'm sure we can all relate to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he lost a... Like, he opened a book for a bet. Mm-hmm. And that just ruined his entire academic career. Yeah, which we also can relate to. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he's just hanging around Ankh-Morpork. Um, they're in Ankh-Morpork and then a tourist appears whose name is Two Flower. And he's a bit of a... He's a bit naive. Well, he's extremely naive. But he wants to experience Ankh-Morpork life. He's the first tourist ever on Discworld. Um, he does some touristy things, gets into trouble. He's very rich. He tries to teach people about ensuer ants. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. reflected sounds of underground spirits. Yes. And then Rincewind is employed as a guide and the patrician tells him that he has to be a guide and he has to protect Two Flower because the emperor of his country, uh, the Counterweight Continent, wants him to be protected because he's the first tourist. Uh, so Rincewind is forced to protect him. He gets kidnapped by thieves, but also the assassins go after him because the Grand Vizier of the Emperor decides that he should be killed in order to make things neat and not bring back any dangerous ideas. They they fight their way out, Rincewind goes and rescues him, and in the process, the owner of the... it is Is it the owner of the Broken Drum? Indeed, Broadman. I think so. Yes. Has been has been informed what insurance is. Mm-hmm. Uh, decides to burn down his own pub, <laughs> and in the process, burns down the entirety of Ankh-Morpork. Um, and then they escape and meet up with some heroes on the outskirts. Although it's um yeah, although it's just the beginning of the series, uh, and it's the first Ankh-Morpork we see. Uh, yeah. Immediately, it's yeah. very Ankh-Morpork that they they discover. They discover what insurance is, and someone immediately invents insurance fraud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that part is extremely Terry Pratchett to me. I'm trying to think, like, because because this is this this first section felt even more off to me than the next one. Like tonally, uh, I think like there's like a weird framing device where Rincewind tells the story to like two thieves or what's that. <laughs> Yeah, so he tell he's telling the story to two heroes who are watching the city go up in flames, which is unusual because oh, yeah. he doesn't normally really use any sort of framing device. Yeah, that felt like very odd to me. The names feel very off somehow. Like Rincewind and Two Flower are like okay names, but Emor, yeah, Cran the Barbarian. I don't know. Like they feel a bit two fantasy names i agree it's definitely it's coming from his uh he was writing it as a satire on on fantasy tropes of the day in the early 80s and so i think he just he drops using those those sort of high fantasy names uh or sort of well not even high fantasy like pulp fantasy it's all very like conan the barbarian uh kind of like low rent D D stuff we'll talk about D D later i'm sure but 
you know, like Imor and uh, people called the Weasel and Hrung the Barbarian and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad he didn't keep doing that. Discord becomes a lot less uh, sort of sword and sorcery, which it is in this. I think that would be the yeah. right, de- right definition of this style of fantasy. Uh, it's I don't know, just talking as fantasy, I guess. It, but it's, it's not. It's yeah, not even you're right. That. It's not that. Sword it's, and sorcery. It's more. It's a pulp version of that, yeah. Yeah, it's all. I mean, especially the bit with the the, the temple later. It's very, very Conan the Barbarian, very sort of dungeon crawl. Uh, men, yeah. men with big swords in leather leather pants with like one brain cell. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the whole the whole hero stuff. Like, cause, uh, let's get let's I guess talk about the main characters, <laughs> Rincewind and Two Flower. They're like. The classic comedy duo of cynical wizard and uh, like cynical world weary wizard and uh, naive insurance guy. Yeah, I I watched like an interview with Terry Pratchett where he's like, well, Rincewind is a useful character because he's always running away, so you can get to like wild places with him and meet interesting characters, but himself is not. Not an interesting character to him, but like, of course, the first character you're gonna come up with for your series is not gonna be your most interesting one. Mm. But Rincewind feels so much like a like a classic archetype of a, ca- not even like a classic archetype of a. Ca- I mean, maybe it is, because he's like the archetype of uh, of a guy who is constantly cheating death. Yeah. Yes. To an extent that he repeatedly meets death, and death yes. uh, says, "Come on, give up." <laughs> Which, like the the now. actually meeting death, is also like part of a folklore tradition, like the yeah, like trying to. I can't. Trick I can only think of like German examples of this, but <laughs> there's a very good English folk song called "Death and the Lady," and it's yeah, it's about how you you can't cheat death. It's a, a young rich woman meets death on the road and offers him offers him gold and fine silks and pearls so that she won't die. Uh, and he says no, and then she dies. I love folk songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I find it interesting that there's like people who like even in the the wiki synopsis it says uh, the incompetent and cynical wizard Rincewind and like other people like in the in the interview i watched were talking about how rincewind is like not a very smart character and i don't think like in especially like in the first story he seems like extremely uh like street smart i guess yeah, yeah. he's weirdly tough as well he does like yeah he does what is essentially parkour and fights <laughs> fights people incompetently He's he's not a, he's a coward and he's not a good wizard, but he does live in Ankh Morpork and he the places he frequents are like still kind of dangerous, like the pubs. Yeah, he's and good the at he's good stuff. at navigating uh, navigating danger, I guess. Yes, he's yeah. good at getting away from stuff. Because um, the other the other character archetype he reminded me of, like besides the like folk song character or like the folk story character who like literally cheats death. Uh, he's like also reminding me of like y- Yossarian style characters like uh. from Catch-22 who like uh, whose one life goal is to not die. Ah, uh, yes. And that's that's like kind of what Rincewind does. Yeah, and he does it very successfully. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a hero by accident. Uh, not a hero yes. in a sort of nice way but he does heroic acts mostly to save himself (laughs) yeah i think i think i think it's fun i i enjoy him running away in abject terror from things yeah i can see why it's possible that terry pratchett finds him difficult to write because the way he is means that when he's gonna take part in the plot he has to sort of do it under duress Mm -hmm. um which can be sort of exhausting if you're trying to write a plot because you have yeah. to have a reason for him to do anything. And it works in this one because they're quite short and mostly it's him having to do it while saving himself or he has to go save Two Flower because the luggage mm. is holding onto his robe and won't let him go. But I, yeah, I can see why 
you might prefer to write someone who has an impulse to do good things just because they want to do good things. And I think Rincewind definitely becomes more of that kind of character as time goes on, even though he's still a coward. He still mm. he gains more of an impulse to try and do things, I think. Yes, yeah. he discovers that he's not half bad with a half brick and a sock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's noticeable that like Terry Pratchett is like less interested in developing his character than he is like in his other characters, but it's still he still gets he still has his moments. Like I like him. Yeah, he's he's funny and he always has a nice sort of I, I, I don't know, I enjoy I enjoy cynical, cowardly characters. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I identify them with her as a as a cynical cowardly <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I guess he he also like bounces off like fairly well with Two Flower. Yeah, because Two Flower will just get into trouble um, yeah. through sheer naivety. So uh, Rincewind then has to get him out of it, and so it's sort of forced yeah. forced to be. Yeah, involved. like the the first one is like the classic um, fantasy scenario of going into the dangerous inn and having a lot of money and not even speaking the language. Yeah. Got a magic book. I think like Rincewind does a pretty good job at saving his ass. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of uh, cunning. He, he is very cunning, and I his his uh, lang- his linguistic skills are like I'd forgotten yes. how how he could basically speak. Yeah, that surprised me. You can't you can't tell me this is supposed to be like a dumb character when he speaks every language in the world. Yeah, it's like Almost. he has a he has like a pretty natural ability to just like learn languages yeah which is kind of it's like pretty cool superpower really yeah it's a good skill to have yeah it'd be amazing i wish i spoke more languages so he can talk his way out of everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and if he can't he can run and he's sort yeah of, he, he's also a champion of the lady who i, I i'm pretty sure is luck isn't she yes mm-hmm. lady luck yeah yeah lady luck so sort of a, a champion of the gods plaything although he'd rather just sit in a pub and drink beer and mope about yeah <laughs> yeah but he's um, also he is greedy he does want gold oh yeah oh of course mostly so he can get drunk again <laughs> yeah or go and have a nice time like all the all the discord characters do right like except maybe the witches yeah i think a lot of the discord characters are they're always like motivated by a need for security in some way the witches definitely have a thing about having to accept their lot in life which is to be poor Mm. and also sort of unthanked surviving (laughs) on donations yeah just doing their best just for stupid people who aren't thankful and will be horrible to them the next day once they don't need anything i was also going to mention like another like classic uh, terry pritchard plot device that is already introduced like i didn't remember this being introduced this early is the iconograph yeah uh, and it's like the classic motive of techno like the technology existing in this fantasy world but it's mm. like it's something that looks like or, or does a thing that a piece of technology does that we have but it's functioning by there being a tiny devil inside <laughs> yes um, the, like with the watch, yeah, two, two flowers watch. It just has a, a small, a small demon on an abacus that counts, yeah, <laughs> and then tells you yeah. what the time is. And Rincewind is this funny wizard who has this longing for like technology. Yes, he wants he there re- to be science. Mm-hmm. He really, yeah. really wants there to be like logic and for the world to be run by numbers uh, and for things to make sense. But it just doesn't because they live on a big disc that's um, yeah. being carried you know, by that's, a big turtle. That's, that's another classic Discworld motive, honestly. The mm. it, the world where magic exists, but it existing... Because I think like Terry Pratchett realizes that if everyone can just blast spells all the time, it's not going to be very interesting if they can just get out of every situation by saying a spell. So that's why, like, first of all, like magic works in a way where it's, it is very rarely actually used. Like even the actual magicians or wizards later or the or the witches are like not going to use magic most of the time on purpose Mm. and and you know being like like rincewind has you know a practical reason why he can't 
but this is gonna like carry over to all of them and then yeah. the thing of how you can like if you can get out of a situation without using magic you're you're gonna rather do that yeah it's it's good to know when not to use magic which is a very witch thing and also yeah, there's always most a, of the time yeah and there's always a toll there's normally a toll for doing any sort of magic um which is yeah which is brought up in this that there used to be wild and un, like untamed magic which is old magic but the new magic was sort of tamed and now has to follow these particular rules else um you'll end up hurting yourself or destroying reality um, yeah do they say it's like the old ones or someone did it I, I think um, I think yes. so. Yeah, the early ones or something. Yeah, elder, elder which, ones. Which like who's that? That's never mentioned again. No. Hmm. I th- I th- I mean, a lot of the like, the world building in this, a lot of it says the same, but there's also like a lot of tonal differences uh, between yeah. this book and the rest of them. Yeah, everyone's just a little meaner. Yes. Yes, like death. Death is not nice in this book. He's he's uh, no. vindictive, which he he has no trace. Of. He's not he's not a vindictive being <laughs> in, uh, yeah. in the rest of the books, and he's not malicious. He still finds, I think, he still finds Rincewind irritating because he cheats death <laughs> constantly, but he doesn't have the same like. You know, in this book, when uh, when Rincewind escapes from him again. Uh, he kills someone just like because he's irritated, and death in later books is n- would never do something like that. It's yeah, that that would never happen. Maybe. There's also yeah. like a part in this where it says uh, wizards are always claimed by death himself, while other uh, people don't have the privilege, and they're just gonna be visited by like one of his servants, like disease or tragedy or something, and that's like that's that's not canon. Well, there is a there is a thing about um, him sending imps to do it um, and turning up only when someone important dies. But that's sort of slowly because that happens in other books as well. But it sort of filters mm. out after a while, and in the end, he just sort of becomes the one who's always doing it. Yeah, he turns up for sort of important or interesting ones, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Like being the first person to be flamed by a dragon many years. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Although sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I think he just turns up um, for a joke. There's one in Masquerade yeah. where um, he's trying to persuade a swan to sing a song so he can so it can die, <laughs> <laughs> and he has to he has to trick it into into singing by like getting a tune wrong. That's um, good. <laughs> <laughs> Love a good psychopomp. <laughs> There's also like the I, I I think the social commentary that happens in this one is like very half baked at this point. Yeah. Like it's. Have you noticed tourists? Yeah, there isn't. There's like, and it's basically the whole joke. There's basically no social commentary really, or it's paper thin. Yeah. Because mm. I don't. It's not really the point of it, is it? It's it is well, it's, him it's less... satirizing fantasy of the day. Yeah, it's more about fantasy rather than about, like, society. In which we live. Yeah, I think, like, the the tourism and the insurance parts are, like, the only... And maybe the thing about how um, if you tell someone to take a photo, they're gonna react to it. Like, that that kind of... Which is actually, like, an actual media theory. Like, how the camera does things to human behavior. Yes. Yeah, it does. Which, uh, which appears here in like, like as a as a through line, I guess. And it's gonna be like that's gonna be a Discord thing too about how new technologies are always gonna change the way the people act or react in some form. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Technology and its influence on society is a big theme for the rest of the series. Big theme. Yeah, it's themes. It's themes o'clock. Um, <laughs> I'm very proud of us that we could we could find find some even in uh, in the color of magic. I think there's yeah some themes. Um, <laughs> it's hard to avoid them. Should we talk about the second chapter? Yeah, um, I think it's funny. It, 
there's like a through line between both of these chapters, which is um, heroes and what heroes uh-huh, represent yeah. in Outmore Fork, um, or in Discworld in general, just because they're a very sort of funny class of people rather than just people. They're like a specific type, which again is sort of a bit D&D. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're the the fighter or the barbarian class. Yes. Mm, and there's a thief yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thieves totally. But okay, so the patrician in this one is not veterinary yet, right? Um, he's just not named. Because I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure if he's like in the first book he appears. If that's like he's a new patrician, or if it's always been him, I don't remember. I think it is veterinary, but again, it's just the characters who show up later are just portrayed in a very different way. Yeah, and it's clearly not. Uh, it's clearly not the same character, but I like the way he behaves. But I just wonder if um... he's like similar. He has, I don't know. There's this guy Gorful who's around, who I'm pretty sure never turns up, apart from mm-hmm. this. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, he does have a thing where he's like, people ought to stay where they were put, um, which is a bit veterinary. Yeah, sort of nice, neat, orderly society. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, Fesco yeah, so the... is a lot okay. less blunt in his threats of torture than this patrician. Yes. Mm. <laughs> On the, I'm just looking at the Discworld uh, wiki, and it says that, like, the first named appearance is sorcery, mm. but okay. they credit Color of Magic as a cameo, which I don't know how to handle. Like, apparently, it's like simply not clear if uh, if it's him or not. I, th- I think it's just we have to accept that what is, like, I don't think you can necessarily look for everything in this book to, to match squarely with what comes in later ones. Yeah. He wasn't yeah, well, he wasn't imagining it as being a series of books initially, I think. No. Yeah, th- this this patrician is just simply f- filling a government role. Filling it's a like not, yeah. uh, It's not a character, it's just a function. I think chronologically, yeah, if if it was can like if it did fit into the rest of the series, then it would chronologically be veterinary, but mm. it doesn't matter really. It's not yeah. important. Yeah. No, I was just I was just thinking of that in, in context because you also said thieves and yeah. doesn't seem to be regulated yet. No, which is also confusing. Yeah, Which is weird, right? And the assassins well, says... are not the ultra-aristocratic uh, people that they are in later yeah. books. But they do have a guild. But in later books, it's they like do. it's been like this for decades. Yeah. Yeah. I think, simply speaking, it's just a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a bit different. It's just not the same, right? I mean, because even in, like, later, in later books, I'm never sure whether it's... Because it's implied that Veterinary set up the Thebes Guild. But I'm never sure if he set up the... He can't have set up the Assassin's Guild because he was educated at the Assassin's Guild. I think the Assassin's um, Guild is much older than him, yeah. Yeah. I think that's been semi like sort of semi-legal for a long time as well because all, all the aristocracy send their sons there. Yeah, and they've been going for years and years, haven't they? Because they've mm. assassinated all these different people and they've got all these portraits. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, oh, and they set up the Merchant's Guild in this... Uh, the end of the first story. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, tourism's like a... really valuable because this yeah, guy has like, like, <laughs> like the money. GDP of our city. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in in sewerants. Um, and economics. Yeah. Ah, reflected sound of underground spirits. It took me a long time to get. Yes, that. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah, I got it now. <laughs> God, that's yeah, that's a thinker. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about uh, sending of the eight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so sending of the eight. Um, it starts with the framing device of the gods are playing D and D, and um, but they're they're sort of playing competitive D and D um against each other rather than collaborative. Lady Luck, she's there, and she is down to terrible pieces which is rinse wind and two flower um and she's going against fate who is also there and pretty much everyone else is out the game at this point 
And then they just have like a fun D&D game where they do terrible things to Rincewind and to Flower, starting with uh-huh. a, like an angry troll that appears out of nowhere and they then have to <laughs> defeat. Um, Rincewind throws a sword, um, which misses, but he gets some sort of critical success and it bounces off a rock and then hits the troll. <laughs> yes, it's just Lady Luck um, cheating, essentially, yeah. isn't she? <laughs> Yeah, that yes. was like that was like a very uh, oh I get it I didn't get this joke when I read this the first time because I didn't know what D and D is but now that I'm reading it this is obviously like him failing a roll. Yeah, mm. I mean, she rolls she rolls a six sided die and rolls yes. rolls a seven. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> she's just utterly cheating. Mm-hmm. More powerful even than yeah. fate. I mean, but that could be interpreted with like. There being a modifier of plus one on the dice. Oh no, she rolls a literal seven on the die. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just, I just thought the when I read it, like that's what uh, what it reminded me of. Uh, but well, she's just cheating. She's just a cheat. She's probably just cheating. <laughs> um, yeah. So they escape from the troll, and then they're chased by wolves. Um, Two Flower wanders off and sees a terrible dread sigil on a rock um, and is like, I'll visit that temple, that seems cool. Rincewind escapes up a tree but hurts the tree and then gets rescued slash captured by dryads who act sinister towards him and are like, we're going to kill you for hurting the tree. But first of all, we're going to watch your friend be murdered by Belshamroth, um, the bringer of eight, <laughs> who Don't is going to do... Oh shit, 7A. Who's going to do terrible things to your friend? Uh, um, we love it. So they do like some magic, some like wild magic stuff to conjure it up. But then they see that there's actually a horse there. And the horse belongs to Hrun the Barbarian, who is a big barbarian boy who wears a loincloth and is a He's one naked. of the smarter ones because he can speak more than uh, two words. <laughs> yeah, he can like, he's a bit more articulate than the average hero. Apparently. Um, <laughs> he's got a nice sentient sword. Yeah, he's got Kring. Krang? Kring? He's got, he's got a talky sword, um, which is a very mm. fun 1980s fantasy trope um, Yeah, that I think is very good. Um, just like the Blue Oyster Cult song, Black Blade, which was <laughs> co-written by Michael Moorcock, who also wrote a book about an evil sword that has a will of its own. Fun facts. I think um, it was Michael Moorpork. <laughs> That would be good. That would be better. <laughs> Michael Lescock. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, so, uh, Rincewind escapes from the Dryads by jumping into the portal, and he ends up in the Dread Temple of Belshamroth, the bringer of number. And he basically helps. He tries to get Two Flower to escape with him, but Two Flower wants to see the horrible Cthulhu esque terror that's in the center of the eight sided temple and then they run into Hrun and then the they accidentally say the word because the sword says it and he says eight and then Rincewind accidentally says it and they summon the dread being That's that also feels like a classic fantasy trope. Yes. Yes. Uh, if, anyone's, if anyone's ever played Curse of Strahd there's a, there's a bit where you really cannot say a word and we did say the word <laughs> and it went bad. Of course. Yeah, it is very much like a D&D campaign, this whole thing, where you, you, like, fight your way past minor obstacles to, like, a major foe at the end. Yeah, have, it like, does literally... It, they do literally fight in a dungeon. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, run, run starts looting afterwards. <laughs> yes. It's... Yeah, they defeat it um, by um, Two Flower trying to take a picture of it, and the flash is so bright because of the salamanders absorbing magical energy that it blinds Belshahamroth and he goes and like hides back in his weird pit slash multi-dimensional whatever um, and then withdraws himself from the temple destroying it and like sucking everything down time floods back is, in yeah time time was too afraid to do anything to the temple before <laughs> but now it's now time is less scared and so the temple is catching up to time um, and then they escape Damn, on they her should... they s- Put that quote on time that is. Yes, they should. They escape on Hrun's war horse. He said he, he grabs two flower, but not Rincewind, but Rincewind like jumps on, so I guess that his priorities were 
saving two flower and the luggage because he's been following the luggage here that's why he got here um i guess because the luggage wanted him to save two flower yeah Sa- um, sapient pearwood sapient pearwood um and then they escape and rincewind's like wow i love barbarians and heroes are fun but you know if he's gonna if he wants to he'll just rob us and steal all our stuff because they don't really have loyalty or that sort of stuff um, but they managed to keep him on their side by taking pictures of him, and he loves pictures of himself, so he, he'll just protect <laughs> them if they give him photographs. He says, what, what, does, yeah. what does a hero want? It's not gold, it's fame. <laughs> yes, exactly. I guess, yeah. yeah, they just want likes on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, and then the lady wins because they escaped. <laughs> it does feel like like Terry Pratchett was making like a phones these days commentary except that there weren't any phones back in 1983 <laughs> yeah he's like ah oh, cameras people are so obsessed with pictures of themselves yeah. I think it's specifically about the sort of heroic archetype and how they're self-obsessed though yeah that that has got to be like something that's that leans more on like current some current day observations like it's more about celebrities at that point than about uh about fantasy heroes right because there's no cameras in i don't know it feels stories it feels very like 1980s fantasy films are all about like really muscled like oiled mm. men mm. um <laughs> fighting things so it was probably a bit about that and how it's all about like the really strong dude like hercules or yeah um conan Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Conan. I was thinking of Flash Gordon. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Sort of pulp, pulp fantasy. Yeah. What's yeah. the uh, what's the what's the uh, fantasy um, sort of big muscly hero man in Disco Elysium? You can wear a t-shirt with him on. Oh, the Hyandalar man. Yes. Yeah, that's like that's that's the same trope. That's that's true. Yeah, man from Hyandal. Uh, yeah, I liked this part. I I think this part got the got much closer to like what the tone of the um, Discworld books is gonna be. Yeah, it felt less felt less mean, I guess, than the first chapter. Yeah, uh, and it you know it was just a just a simple fantasy uh, tropey story, but there's there were still like. I don't know, there were still, like, well-written, like, ideas about the world and the characters. Like, uh, I like the, how the description of, like, what's the name of the Lovecraftian monstrosity in this one? Belshahanroth. Yeah, how, like, Belshahanroth isn't, isn't necessarily evil, he's the flip sign of a coin where one side is both good and evil. Yes. Yeah. Uh... Like, that's, I thought that was, like, very evocative and like you know more interesting than just simply saying this is um this is a monster mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like a big ex- existential horror that they have yeah. to cope with especially for rincewind who's a wizard and wizards hate the number eight um yeah they can't even say it they because don't of like him, saying it? it because of the family. yes that's also priority. like i guess uh, a twist on on other fantasy stuff with uh because usually it's like it's gonna be the number seven that's important. So he was like, "What if I make the number eight important in my world?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also get like the um, like in in this. I think in this chapter it's like more of a joke, but we already get like the uh, an introduction to the gods of this world and how they're very real, but yes. like not necessarily good for the people. Like there's a part where uh, I don't know if Rincewind says this or just like the omniscient narrator about how it would be easy to believe in, uh, or it would be it would be so good to believe in like logic and atheism, but it's very hard when the gods are like actually gonna punish you for that mm. <laughs> because they're very real. The gods come and break atheist windows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's almost almost like a a, a pre pre uh, sergeant colon because it mentions the the, the sergeant's red yeah. round face, which is which is very. Oh colon. yeah, yeah. I was thinking about how that's like in my head. Can it's probably colon. Yes, he doesn't have a name yet, but I can 
I can't imagine that being like actually him. Yeah. Yeah. The um but you know, again, like I try and just I try and separate the Ankhmore pork in this book with the Ankhmore pork mm-hmm. in all the other months. <laughs> Because yeah. I mean, it mentioned the whole basically the whole city burns down, and that doesn't. I mean that the the that ha- doesn't happen in the rest of the books. Like the the city hasn't burned down in the past like that, uh, not in the recent past anyway. I think it it has. They mentioned in one of them, I can't remember which one, that it just burns down like every summer. Um, so <laughs> everything is just sort of like there's like a solid base, but everything else is almost temporary because yeah. everything just burns down so often. Yeah, the river certainly catches fire in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, just after this, obviously, the um, the broken drum becomes the mended drum for the rest of the series. Yeah, yes, that's, that's true. That's a good bit of continuity. Yeah. Mm, and yet there are there are like old buildings mentioned repeatedly. I don't think maybe I'm not I'm not sure how useful it is to try and think of like Discworld and in the sort of a, a sort of absolute canonicity. I think like later books are gonna become he's, he's gonna start to like keep up his own continuity later yeah it is like not to talk about uh, D terms about this book but it is very much like how when you do your first session some things are just gonna be a little off and you might like pull things that you know, your characters are gonna do things that don't really fit with how they're gonna be a few sessions later because you haven't really figured them out quite out yet and the world is also just like not gonna not gonna be quite there and then there's things like burning down the entire city which is like a thing too much of a mag like the magnitude of that is too much for a later book because it's gonna have like huge consequences at this point he's like not thinking about that i think yes like he's just gonna be able to do things that don't quite fit the actual scale the story should be. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a. It was written as a one-off thing that then turned into yeah, fifty something. I mean, off thing. But it does end with a cliffhanger. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's true, but like, hmm, yeah. But I, I could imagine him first, like, just wanted to write, some, wanting to write some short stories, and then like, getting the hang of it by the by the fourth of of the ones in this book so deciding to like actually do i'm 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 curious for when we get to light fantastic in two weeks probably Mm. uh and because i remember that one being so much better than color of magic like much more uh much more fluidly readable and much more more discworldy so i'm well it doesn't it definitely has a lot more of a singular plot line um, yeah yeah that's happening Oh, I just remembered how this book ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's it's got a plot line and it's following on from some of the things introduced in this book, like the spell in Rincewind's head. That's one of the spells mm. that make up like the fabric of the universe. Um, yeah. Yes. And also his connection with like Lady Luck and stuff. So it That's does have a, a lot cool of that concept. stuff continuing, but with like a plot line around it, basically. I think... Yeah, I think the way uh, magic is described in this one is already pretty good. Mm, yeah. Uh, like how you need to spend really long to memorize spells and then say them once and then they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, magic is so complex and dangerous as to be sort of almost useless. The, the, yeah. The wizards learn magic so they don't have to do it. Well, it's said as well that um, that books have lives of their own um, and if they've got spells in, they become sort of semi-sentient. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rincid also says that the spell in his head will say itself once he's dead, which is sinister. Yeah. <laughs> because that means that it's going to be said at some point, uh, no matter what he does. So you think there'd be, like, people protecting him more, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird to think about that, like, how it's definitely going to happen at one point in Discord canon, because it's impossible that Rincewin wouldn't die at one point. But yeah. also, like, those books are never going to get written. Well, that happens in Light Fantastic. He says it in Light Fantastic. So. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird to think about characters dying at one point <laughs> that, like, don't actually die in canon. I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, because, like, I guess, spoilers, but Granny Weatherwax dies in The Shepherd's Crown in the very last one. But none of the other major characters die, really. Yeah. Yeah. And that- That's also, like, what's the... You know what's the 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 imp like we we still I, I guess not gonna learn about the impacts of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention like read the gods playing D and D or like whatever dice game they're playing, but it's like clearly supposed to be a D and D analogy. It's also like kind of a kind of a job thing, right? Like you know, God making a bet with the devil around uh around this one guy's life yeah uh and it's like because that's like such a fucked up part of the bible and i feel like terry pratchett already has something to say about that <laughs> yeah yeah which is a bit a little bit book of Joby, isn't it well it's the um i don't know it's that shakespeare quote where he's like um like flies to wanton boys are we to the gods they play us for their sport or they hurt us for their sport mm. i can't remember um shame on you but kill us for less but okay yeah it's very directly that sort of idea that we are all just playthings of the gods who are bored and use us for whatever to keep themselves entertained yeah yeah that's gonna be you know that's gonna be explored later too yeah because i think like the the through line of this is like a lot of the because there's the parts where where it's clearly just like, okay, I'm going to make some jokes about fantasy tropes. And then there's yeah. like seeds of ideas in there where it's like, where it, it really seems like his, his, he later came back to explore them in yeah. detail because those were the actual, and those are the interesting parts of this book to me when, when there's like nuggets of things that, uh, that are more than just funny Rincewind running away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if there's like any other big things in this that we. Mm, they mention the, they're not shown, but they mention the existence of elves, which um, yeah, uh, but he doesn't mention okay. dwarves, um, which is interesting because elves do exist in in the main canon, but yeah, in a very malevolent and largely sort of hidden way. They live in a, mostly yeah. in another dimension, yeah. and they're they're really horrible. They're like sort of nasty fairies like you get in folk, folk, folk tales yeah which leads me to i don't know it it just speaks to the sort of different style of world that he was trying to build uh, yeah in this one yeah some of the like i don't think much of the fantasy creatures are like already thought out at this point yeah like the trolls also, like, either like pixies there's... don't exist and stuff which yeah i guess people don't know that they exist um, but we know that they exist. Yeah. Pixies. Yeah. I mean, he didn't know at this point, I guess. Um, it does, yeah, it does make it a bit more like a sort of 1980s fantasy conan sort of thing than it does like a Lord of the Rings fantasy thing, I guess. Um, like the way the trolls are and stuff is a bit, is different. And the fact that there's no dwarves, um, yeah, it's just a bit, a bit meaner and a bit different. Yeah. And it's all a bit more, I don't know, the kind of sort of silly fantasy. <laughs> As, <laughs> if you look on the, if you look on the uh, the Discord, apparently one of the inspirations for the graphic novel was this uh, Red Sonia, and it's yeah. got a yeah. Have uh, you heard of Red Sonia? I had not heard of Red Sonia before. Oh, have you not? Oh, that's wow. A, okay. That's a, that's a picture, all right. That's something. Yeah. Yeah, that looks like a classic sort of life field. Well, it's not really quite it's... a life field. Is it Lightfield? I no, don't think so. I don't think she. You can't. But then she you can't see her feet. Yeah, which makes me think. Yeah, that it I is. mean, this is this is a very bad. It's, that's a horrible. Style. I think like Red Sonia has it's, also um, been like, oh, what the fuck? This is from 2015. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. modern. <laughs> Jesus I mean, Christ! Like, because there were like good incarnations of this. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, to wear very small amounts of chainmail. Where it's like, like fucking rule thirty four art. Yeah. No, because she was written by Gail Simone for a time. She's now written by Amy Chu. So, you know, she was like written by women at at this point, even where this, uh, where this image is from. But this just once again, the visualization is still a lot. 
Yeah, and say so it's very much in that like 2012 Escher Girls thing where all the comic women always have to have their boobs and their butt on display at the same time, <laughs> and so they have to contort in a very specific manner that yeah. doesn't quite physically work. Yeah, like she has apparently no spine. And like, yeah. this is it's, it's really just the more you look at it, the more disturbing it is. The worst part of it that both of her boobs are visible. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So How like, do both, that? both, both cheeks and both boobs are visible, yeah. which is not normal. So much fantasy and like fantasy and comics art. It's just like you can glance at it and it kind of looks. I mean, it doesn't look okay. I don't think this looks okay. But like, the more you look at it, the more things wrong you find with it. Yeah. Like, I don't this know. guy has apparently like the artist on this has also drawn Birds of Prey and Supergirl, so... Oh. I'm just... Cool. Oh, yes, he's, he's Supergirl. She's got the, the vagina lines, you know, where they're <laughs> like, their stomach points down towards where their vagina is. Was it was it Supergirl who has the big boob window, and then in order to, like... No, that's... <laughs> this one doesn't. Uh, that's Power Girl. <laughs> oh, okay. Who is, and I then... think, who is, I think, actually Supergirl from another dimension or something? it's complicated in order to make it like fine apparently they had this whole like extended thing where she's like i just couldn't decide on a on a symbol which is why i left it blank Mm. and i have this yeah it has an explanation that's the thing like it has an explanation but it's at the end it's still clearly an afterthought oh yeah obviously it's just really funny that they were like look there's an explanation it's okay It's, it's the same how there's like there's like one character in My Hero Academia who is extremely sexualized and uh, actually a good character, but the art she's drawn is like extremely sexualized. And there's also like an in-universe explanation for why she's wearing so little because she like makes things grow out of her skin. It's her superpower. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's still like, you, you know which part of it. Like, you know, the design came first and then the explanation for it. Yeah, like... um like in bloody uh, Hideo Kojima games, where it's like, oh no, <laughs> she needs to breathe through her skin. This is why you can see her boobs yeah, exactly. all the time. <sighs> uh, color of magic. Do we need to talk about anything else? We have like decent episode length. This this time is going to be like this yeah, one's going like to be like extra normal like... podcast length. This yeah. how does it feel? Yeah, I think we've pretty much covered most of the important stuff. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Look, there's not there's not that much subtext to this book that it needs to it yeah, needs to have like five hours of discussion in total. I think next week we can just finish the book off, and that's yeah. Talk about the lure of the worm and close to the edge. <laughs> yeah, too close to the edge. Some would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry I, Pratchett. Yeah, I remember like of names. one thing from the end. And I'm very excited for that. Yeah, the last one's very funny, um, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, We'll we'll save that for next time. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. 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 Thank you for listening to Who Watches the Watch, Mm. um, your favorite favorite Terry Pratchett podcast ever Mm. to have been made. Um, A cab. Stay angry. Um, Stay angry. Stay safe. And this your cop. Um, quit go home <laughs> you don't have to be a cop no one's making you be a cop yeah it's not it's not like a personality trait it's a job that you can quit it's a job where you don't have to beat people up it's like any other job almost I imagine uh-huh. if you're listening to this you're not a cop but yeah you know um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you can yeah. go and go to the army or something there's other jobs yeah it, don't do that you don't normally have to beat people up in the I mean apart from other I'd say most of the time when you're in the army, you're causing less harm to people. than. That's know. so fucked up. Yeah, but don't join the army. Um, join the navy. It's like no, the sea don't. cops. <laughs> no. Stop it. <laughs> no, don't join the military. I think Elon is like shooting a rocket into space, so oh, yeah, uh, join him. Yeah, are, military get, bad. Getting real cyberpunk hours, you know? Like billionaires launching rockets into space while while there's riots around. Mm. Normal. Mm-hmm. Normal. Mm. We'll have to see it. We just need giant holographic, uh, sexy women in, the, in all the all the, all the <laughs> cities now. There's always uh-huh. holographic, sexy women. 
Yeah, where are they? Yeah. <laughs> when we need them most. <laughs> where are my holographic sexy women? Exactly. <laughs> 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 I'm just thinking of Cardiff and there's just some like some giant holographic sexy woman is like like a pint of brains. I really don't get the point of holographic sexy women. Like I I know they're in every cyberpunk thing, but what's the story um, behind that? Uh, uh I mean, do like an oral history of the the uh holographic sexy woman. Um I think I guess giant, it's like computers. Giant holographic sex cells? Yeah. I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just weird to think about how the how the future is still going to be like dominated by male heterosexuality. Yeah. Yeah. It would never but, never change. No 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 social norms. Yeah, would that's in the always the, the running thing is that like things would be exactly the same. I mean, I guess that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Of cyberpunk well, is meant to be like look, things are the same. The same with um, more technology. Mm, I can't also, wait yeah. for the, uh for the fucking for CD Projekt Red to like release their game that is literally called Cyberpunk and just really I fuck know, it so up. And it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I thought that they'd removed like isn't isn't gender essentially non-binary in that game now? I don't know. Yeah. I think so, but they still like from the interviews they still don't really understand what that means. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And they're like, you know, notoriously shitty to their uh, employees. And yeah. Like, I, I think I read something about how the thing they're in isn't even crunch. It's called a death march because you don't really know when it ends in in opposition to crunch where you at least know for how long you have to do extreme over hours. So sure, make a make a game that is social commentary while abusing your own employees. Look, I guess we're getting political on this episode too. Fuck look, it. They, they, they have. <laughs> it's not like their game. Their, their games company is enormously wealthy and it could afford to just take mm. longer um, to longer to make the same game. No, what? No. They didn't yeah. make some of the highest grossing games of all time. Yeah, but What's then the, the gamers would have to wait like a few months longer. Mm, Reddit would be up. There's not yeah. enough video games to play. <laughs> there, that is the thing. There are no video games. It's so fucked up that there's only like three games in existence. You can play yeah. Witcher Three, mm-hmm. and Super Red Mario Dead, Brothers, and Red Dead Redemption, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, don't even it. Pl- I don't even play AAA games really. Um, yeah. Apart from like old Bioware ones, maybe are they AAA? I don't know. I don't think I don't know if that counts. Do do like does. do Nintendo games count? Is there a proper definition for a AAA game, or is it just like is it just like Branding. calling something? prestige tv i guess yeah basically i don't know if if the if there's a certain number of frame rate or pixels or whatever uh, gamers jerk off to that needs to be reached um for i think that. there's like uh yeah it says it's informal um being mid-sized or major publisher typically having higher development and marketing budgets mm. um what I say is you should play indie games instead. Yeah, you should play the the Discworld DOS games from the 90s instead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rinsewit says fucking one of them. Yes. It does. And that's what we want to see. <laughs> um, I really want to play Discworld Noir because I think it will be fun. Yeah. If you're listening to this and want us to do like streams of let's or let's plays of discord noir then let us know it's not like we wouldn't do it otherwise but yeah because it'd be yeah. nice if people actually wanted it but yeah. we also kind of just want to do it um <laughs> <laughs> anyway thanks yeah. for listening to yeah. thanks for listening rinse wind says fuck yeah rinse wind says fuck um your favorite podcast and bob strong in the arm is your uncle i guess Pure strong in the arm is all of our uncles. Still, good one boy. thing that doesn't change. Uh-huh. He's he's the brother of my father, literally. Bob Strong in the arm. My my your, uncle's your comrade. Bob Strong in <laughs> the arm is a comrade. Your comrade, yeah. Actually, he's a okay, weapons manufacturer, bye. isn't he? Yeah, but for <laughs> private, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for protecting yourself from the cops. <laughs> he says against the watch. Um, oh, Charlotte's in the yeah. uh, the Socialist Rifle Association, are you now? Uh huh. Um, okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Goodbye.
Through ancient times.